0: Welcome to 7 Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. To become a supporter of this podcast, please visit patreon.com slash 7 Minute Torah. Welcome, everyone. This week, we pick up the story right where we left it off last week the Israelites standing at Sinai, receiving the Torah. Now, we might have thought that receiving Torah was something that happened all at once. And in that sense, we've been influenced by the Hollywood version of the giving of Torah, where Charlton Heston goes up on the mountain and God speaks all these words. And then it's over, and they move out into the desert. But in the Torah's version, the giving of law and the revelation at Sinai actually lasts much longer. Last week, we read about the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. This week, we're reading Mishpatim, which means laws, and consists of many, many laws. And by the way, after this week, Sinai will continue as the people build a sanctuary in the desert and learn how to put together all the institutions that they will need to start their new life once they get to the Promised Land. So Mishpatim, which as I said means laws, is a parsha of laws. This is Exodus chapter 21 through 24, and it's a little hard to say what Mishpatim is about, because it's just so many laws. We have criminal laws, we have civil laws, laws about slavery, laws about various kinds of damages and theft. We have what you might call religious law, about whom and how you're supposed to worship. We have a listing of the festival calendar here. The three pilgrimage festivals are laid out so that the Israelites will know which holidays to celebrate and how. And then finally, at the end, we have a kind of a ratification ceremony, where the Israelites come together and they declare their intention to enter into covenant and to accept these laws. So it's a little hard to describe the action of Mishpatim, other than that last part, because most of this Parsha is just a listing of laws. So what I want to do instead is to zero in on one law, and it's kind of an infamous one, and talk about what it means versus what a lot of people think it means. It's a law that's so famous that it has its own Latin name. It's called lex talionis, which means the law of retaliation. Colloquially, we call it an eye for an eye. So... I'm going to read this section. It's a little complicated, but I'll read the whole thing and then we'll talk about what it means and what it doesn't mean. This is Exodus chapter 21, starting at verse 22. It says, When men are fighting and a pregnant woman is hurt or pushed and it causes a miscarriage, but no other damage ensues, then the one responsible shall be fined according as the woman's husband may exact from him, the payment to be based on reckoning, in other words, on the damage that ensues from the loss of the fetus. But, it continues, if other damage ensues, meaning damage to her body, the penalty shall be nefesh tachad nefesh, ayin tachad ayin. life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. So that's our section here, our law, which comes in the midst of a series of laws about damages. And you can see how this could become so infamous, because what it seems to be suggesting is that people punish each other in really harsh ways. You hurt my hand, I'll hurt your hand right back. You poke out my eye, I'll poke your eye out right back. Rabbi Gunther Plout, in his Torah commentary, says that few passages in the Torah have been so thoroughly misunderstood as this one. So what are we misunderstanding? Because when you read through that passage, it does seem to say that whatever damage is caused to this woman's body is to be caused right back to the person that hurt her. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life. Isn't that just an enshrinement of revenge? The answer seems to be no. That's not what's happening here. And we have to look at the ancient Near Eastern context in order to understand that. The way that the justice system worked in ancient Israel was that families and clans were empowered to exact retribution on people that harmed them. So if someone kills a member of your family, then your family is actually empowered to send what's called a blood avenger to go kill the person or a member of their clan in order to bring about justice, in order to bring about the equilibrium of the way things should be. So there's a danger of that, spiraling out of control? What if you poke out my eye and I'm so angry that I cut off your arm? And then you're so angry that you kill me? Well, that's not justice. That's just revenge. So what the law seems to be doing is actually limiting the damages that are allowed. If you poke out my eye, all I'm allowed to do is poke out your eye. I'm not allowed to cause further damages. Which still sounds relatively violent to us, But what it's doing is, at least in theory, removing the emotion from the situation. I can't just hurt you because I want to. I can, however, exact damages to the appropriate level of the damage that was done to me or to my loved one. And when this gets ultimately removed from the realm of the personal and moved into the court system, as is what happens when a society matures then it becomes the foundation for a just society, that punishments must fit crimes, and that people convicted of crimes have rights as well, the right to be punished in a way that's just and that's commensurate with the crime that they committed. But the rabbis take it even further. When they read this section of Torah, they understand it not to be about a physical punishment at all, but rather about monetary compensation. That is to say, an eye for an eye means that if I poke out your eye, I need to pay you a commensurate amount. If I harm your hand or cut you or sever a limb, if a crime that I commit harms your body in some way, then I am responsible for a court-approved amount of monetary compensation. And there's a lot of evidence to show that that actually might be what the Torah meant to begin with that the whole point of this was to control the culture of retaliation by creating a framework in which retaliation became something closer to justice. This matters because, of course, we know that the Torah is obsessed with the idea of creating a just society, and that Judaism, as the religion that flows out of Torah— is also deeply concerned with the notion that the society that we live in should be one in which there is justice. Now, as a side note, I want to say one more interesting thing about this section of Torah that is also an invitation for further conversation. And that is that the passage I read a few moments ago is also the basis for a lot of the Jewish understanding around abortion. So you might have noticed that this passage is not only about damages or bodily injury that happens to anyone. It's about bodily injury that happens to a pregnant woman. The Parsha said, When men fight and one of them pushes a pregnant woman, and a miscarriage results. Then it goes on to say, If there's no other damage, here are the fines that you shall pay, according to how the woman's husband uh, calculates. But if there is other damage to the body, then it's eye for eye, life for life, tooth for tooth. In other words, the Torah makes a distinction between damages to the body of the woman, of the pregnant person, and the causing of a miscarriage. When it's damages to her body, then you're into this eye for eye, life for life paradigm. But when it's the causing of a miscarriage you're looking at monetary damages. In other words, the Torah's understanding of a fetus is different from its understanding of a fully developed human being. A person is eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth, life-for-life. A fetus is monetary damages. And a lot of the rest of Jewish law surrounding abortion and reproductive care is built around this dichotomy, this difference, between a fetus and a born human. It's not that the fetus has no status, but it does not have the same status as a born person. And so, for example, in Jewish law, the life of the pregnant person takes precedence over the fetus. And I'm going to end that discussion there, mostly because I'm out of time and this is very complex. But if you'd like to continue that conversation... I'd like to invite you to join us this Thursday, February 8th, at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, for a class with Rabbi Leah Berkowitz on Zoom, where she will be discussing reproductive justice in Jewish tradition. What does Judaism say about abortion? What does Judaism say about who makes the decisions about reproductive care? And you can register for that at laasok.org, L-A-A-S-O-K dot If you just go to current classes, you'll see it right there. So in the end, this one little passage of Exodus teaches us a variety of things about human life, about body and damages, and maybe most importantly, about the imperative, the commandment, to create a society that is just. Thanks everyone. Have a great week. 7 Minute Torah is a production of La'asok, Sacred Texts, Modern Meaning. If you enjoyed this program, Please consider becoming a sponsor at patreon.com slash seven minute Torah. For more information about upcoming learning opportunities, go to laAsoka.org, L-A-A-S-O-K.org. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. Thanks for listening.